You are about to enter the Cyber PD Podcast. Cyber School Pedagogy lives here. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Cyber PD Podcast. Co-hosting today are Agora Elementary School PD Coach Kelly Quackenbush and me, Agora Middle School PD Coach John Thomas. Kelly, why don't you tell our listeners what we have in store today? Well, John, today we are going to be focusing on reaching students who have emotional support needs in the cyber world. And to do that, we have special guests from the high school, special ed department. Heather Silverman and Anta Brucker have joined us, and they are both they both teach element emotional support and have great passion for this topic. Anta and Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. We are very happy to have you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Uh, we we can't make this work without great guests being willing to come on the show. So let's start with the basics. What does it mean when a student has emotional support needs? Heather, do you want to start or do you want me to start? <laughs> Either way is fine. Why don't you go? Okay. Well, I mean, basically with emotional support needs, I mean, it's somewhat exactly how it how it's stated emotional support um usually they have it it's it's very it's a very big um array of things and emotional support kind of like umbrellas that i guess anything from post traumatic stress disorder to suicide ideology um a lot we have a lot of like anxiety but like you know pretty severe anxiety which all of us have probably experienced experienced levels of anxiety but these are you know, severe enough that obviously it's been a diagnosis from a, a psychologist. Um, ADHD, ADD, which it's with the ADHD and ADHD, sometimes those will just be, won't be severe enough to be in that category. And they're just like the 504. And then sometimes we see them. A lot of times when we see those, though, we also see them have something else with them. It's rare that we just have an ES diagnosis, ADHD. You know, usually it's you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, oppositional defiance disorder. Um, no, no, Heather, you wanna uh, anything uh, I, like as far as I know, we, we her and I, Heather and I spoke that in order to get through this in a timely manner, obviously we're just gonna have to just, you know, spout off. A yeah, little you bit. can't you can't go into every little detail right, that right, uh, because it so is such a broad disorder. Yes. It's not just like you know, like one thing. Like I said, the, the ES encompasses so many little things mm -hmm. so you know i mean and and that anxiety piece encompasses so many things i mean we've right. got transgender students who um live with the anxiety of of all that they've experienced through their lives which and they're very high with the suicide ideation and we have you know the kids in the lgbtq community who are also experiencing this kind of you know, severe anxiety due to, you know, biases and, you know, just the difficulty of, of growing up different to begin with. Um, kids who who live in, in neighborhoods where maybe they've experienced a lot of bullying or, or um, not just bullying, but like just unsafe conditions. So you have a variety of reasons for some of that severe anxiety that comes out. It's not just that typical anxiety. I have two daughters who have had anxiety um, you know, throughout school, um, but it's never been to an extent where, you know, we, you know, I needed to have them identified with a disability and um, because, it, you know, they can function in life and, and, and be successful. 
So, and I think we all experienced levels of that, but there's some trauma in the household, a loss of a parent, a loss of a loved one. So anxiety could be a big umbrella as well. So um, let me ask, I'm, I'm going to jump in here real quick and ask you, um, what are some reasons then that, uh, or, or would that, those anxiety reasons be one of the draws to a cyber school then for a lot of the students with, with uh, emotional support needs? Is, is that one of the reasons they come to a cyber school because of that anxiety and maybe some of the, the bullying and, and pressure that they feel in, in other environments? I, I would say yes. I would say that um, it's not, it, it's also maybe their parents' anxiety. Again, parents, you know, a lot of times kids are very similar to their own parents who, who experienced lots of trauma maybe in their lives and they, they, you know, they put that on their children, um, or they just have fears for themselves of, you know, they don't like the school district they're in. They don't feel that their child's going to be safe going to school every day. So, um, all of those, those pieces do draw you. My, always my biggest concern when I do get new students, um, is when they're very isolated as a result of it, because I don't like to encourage, I, I think that it's great to come to a place where you feel safe, where you can be educated in a safe place. But um, if it's going to um, make that anxiety, you know, literally agoraphobic, um, where you don't want to leave your house or you're not willing to, then I don't always think that that's very healthy either, because you want to get out of the socialization world. You need to have some level of socialization. And I know that um, I'm sure Anta does. And I always encourage that with, you know, my students that, you know, even if, if you're part of a religious group or if you're part of a Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or something, you need to be getting out. You need to be interacting with other people, doing things with your family coach if they're doing those kinds of things, because um, it's it, it could develop into something um, that's not so healthy to be home all the time. Right. And I think and um, the reason that the ES kids, you know, we see them coming here also would be the same reason that you mentioned bullying even like a little bit of anxiety is just the regular ad students come here. But definitely with our population, we're going to see it more. But then Heather kind of touched on this a little bit. Sometimes it's not the best placement because, you know, you have maybe it's sometimes defiancy too. A lot of times we see parents like I cannot get him out of bed. There's nothing I could do. So this was basically let's do this. But it doesn't always fix things. And sometimes, you know, and that's when we we say, well, you know, this is a cyber school, so it is cyber. We do sometimes try to put services in the home, additional services, but sometimes it's it's never enough because some things are so, so severe. And then we see some kids come here because they were experiencing so many of these behaviors in brick and mortar, and they come here and they thrive. And we're like, how can they be labeled emotional support? They're like, perfect. But then we have to go back and say, that's because this modification and this schooling is working for them. I had a parent just call me yesterday and be like, oh, I'm having so many behavior issues. I can't handle her. But yet in class, she's participating. She's friendly. She calls me. And she's and and, and obviously I didn't say that to mom. Like, oh, well, that's not what I see. I mean, but I did tell her we see good things. She's like, well, yeah, but, you know, when she's like out of that and around people a long time, that's when they start coming out. Because sometimes these kids are shielded, too, behind and they can open up. Mm -hmm. And I worry about it also when they when they near graduation, um, when they've been so successful with us and they are in the home and they're doing well academically and everything's looking good on paper. But 
now you're going to be going out into the world and having to interact with people in person. I find a lot of, at least my students, and I don't know if that that would be interesting to do a study across the board of cyber students, but with my kids, um, you know, they start to seek out colleges that are online, and then they're thinking of careers that are online where they can be at home, and it, I don't know. I don't know if that if there could be more of a draw um, if you're in a cyber school that you're going to kind of stay away from the the outside world um, going forward or try to. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I can see how they could fall into that pattern and want to maintain the same environment that they were successful in. And comfortable and, and that, you know, had the least amount of anxiety for them. Right, exactly. You both mo mentioned emotional um, support and behavior support. Are those always a package deal or can they sometimes be compartmentalized and separate? Well, I see them as one like emotional support or a, a student who's emotionally disturbed or that's that's the identification in special education. Um, behavior support is what is needed for this this identification. So um, all of our students um, in emotional support actually have an out. We we use an outside provider, um, several outside providers, but mainly one. Um, but they all are assigned a behavior specialist consultant um, because, and and you know, Anton and I were talking about this earlier. I'll let her go further into it, but. Um, Behaviors are the problem, are, are what you're working on. Now, when we think about behaviors, a lot of us think about behaviors as, you know, you know, child doing something wrong or something bad or disruptive or whatever. But we're talking about all behaviors here. You know, everything we do is, is somewhat of a behavior, whether it's talking with my hands like I do a lot, like I'm doing right now. Um, or if it's just coping and truthfully for those kids with the anxiety, a lot of the behaviors, a lot of the goals in an IEP that they're working on with the student are strategies to cope with certain, you know, with certain behaviors that they're showing. So, so behavior is kind of like the, uh, the symptom of, of the disorder, like the, the, there's the disorder, but what we see are the behaviors that, that and then and you see like behavior support anywhere it's more or less the accommodation to a certain extent like mm -hmm. because when we get an es student then we kind of start with the behavior support accommodations that we have first one being like heather said the bsc behavior support consultant also they they're uh, enrolled into a grade level emotional support class which also you know is kind of like behavioral support so yeah so i guess like um the, the diagnosis is always yes, emotional support, behavior support, because we went, we don't really talk about it like, oh, here's your emotional support person. Every we tend to talk of it as behavior support, but the actual diagnosis is emotional support, because like Heather said, um, emotional encompasses more than just punching and hitting. I think you know. All right, good. So uh, building relationships with students is a fundamental part of any successful teacher's job. Do you have to approach relationship building differently for students with emotional support needs, or is it pretty much the same as, as with other students? Um, I would say, and Heather, and again, Heather and I spoke about this a little bit earlier, I would say yes and no. Obviously, we don't want to treat them any different, but we do want to we do need to know what their background was, 
you know. Um, and and as the special education case case manager, and Heather and I also spoke at this, we normally, right when we get them, we read through all their documents and stuff, talk to the parent to get to know them, you know, know them from behind. And then, so I don't know that we would approach them any differently. I guess in some cases we would, depending on how, like, severe something was. I mean, obviously, if something happened in the past, I know there's even been situations where I know things have happened where, whether it be a something being a sign that might trigger something, you know, so those things you just want to know in the background. But, um, and like, I know Heather mentioned too, sometimes it's easier to communicate with these, with these kids, um, and regular ed kids too. Sometimes I feel like we can, you know, lump them all into this to a certain extent. Um, but because we're behind a, a screen or a phone and they're not seeing us, so they're going to open up more. We're in brick and mortar, um, they probably weren't going to open up to that teacher. And sometimes and it might take a little while, but eventually they might feel safe doing it. And you mentioned being behind a screen and, you know, not being necessarily face to face. So how do you build relationships with students I'm, in the cyber environment? Well, I find that actually um, a little bit easier than in a brick and mortar. I mean, imagine in a brick and mortar, first of all, you usually have a group of students at all times, so you really don't get that one-on-one -on -one time. If you do, maybe it's during a lunch period or a free period you have, and they happen to have it at the same time. You can't give them the time that they need, and it's not a daily thing or a regular thing. So um, in, in our environment, you're talking with them on the phone one-on-one, -on -one and you you know, as as you know, if you go back to the to the first question with regard to um, you know how I don't do it any differently than I did with my any other students that I've ever had with Agora, and probably if I had general ed, but I'd probably have more students if with general ed. Maybe I couldn't have done it as as easily. Um, to me, it's always I want a one on one relationship with the student. I want to know the parent. I want to know all of the information. The thing is, is I just might deal with each situation very differently. If I find out that something, you know, if I have a student who wants to communicate with me via text every week because we're checking in, then I'm going to I'm going to go to him where or her wherever they need me to be um, for them. So I think like it's it's important to understand that behind a screen it is it's a safer place. I mean, if for those people who have older children, especially like teenagers, um, you find it's much easier to have long conversations in the car when you're not face to face. Um, kids open up more that way and face to face. Sometimes they're not as comfortable to speak. Yeah, it's, it's often um, we hear we hear it as a, a, a um, problem with the Internet is is that people are willing to say things online that they're not willing to say in person. But sometimes I think that can be a benefit, too, because it, it does take take away some of those barriers and allows the students to to open up some. Um, so let's say I open up a reevaluation report for my student and I notice that she suffers from occupational defiant disorder, a post-traumatic stress disorder, and has had several panic at attacks. How should I approach this so I don't end up panicking? <laughs> Um, just, just a quick correction. It's oppositional defiant disorder. Um, that, uh, oh, yes. Occupational okay. might be something we all, we all suffer from. Yes. But, but no. <laughs> <laughs> it actually, in the email, it said occupational, and Heather and I were laughing. We're like, John probably is like venting some secret, like he's like has some <laughs> occupational defiant disorder. 
<laughs> but I actually said I was I had I said I didn't want to look stupid, but I thought, is is that a real thing? Does he know something we don't know? <laughs> like about no, no I I don't know why I put that. <laughs> but I think we all it it we all have it, maybe. <laughs> yes, it's just it was like Freudian. John is John is creating his own diagnosis. Yes. Yeah, so there you yeah. go. It, it's it's Friday, so we'll have to start a club, the occupational defiance club. We could go yeah. in and bed. We all get that at four o'clock on Friday afternoon. Exactly. Or Monday. I don't know. Friday you're starting to get a little bit it's almost over, even though most of us are probably gonna be working this weekend, but yes, absolutely. Um, well, so one of the things I, I said at our presentation back in August, um, and I feel so strongly about it is um, I believe if you're a general education teacher and um, you have students who are on your list, the first thing you should do is, is absolutely look at the specially designed instruction, see how, you know, what, you know, what kind of accommodations all of those kinds of things are. But, and if you want to know more about a student, I would meet the student first and develop your own, um, your own relationship with the student before before you would even touch that reevaluation report, that reevaluation report can can trigger a bias, different biases, and I sometimes there you feel horrible for students. Some horrendous things have happened to some of our children. I mean, just ones that you couldn't imagine, but if you read them, you would be taken aback. And so you might treat that student differently, more because you're very sympathetic or empathetic and feeling for that student, but they need you to be normal. They're, they're trying to find people who are going to treat them like normal people in the world and not, you know, always looking at them or speaking to them as if they're, you know, some wounded animal. Um, and then on another hand, you know, some of the kids have some scary things in their reports that maybe, you know, or maybe they've had violence toward other teachers or something like that, that could, you know, develop, help you or make you develop a bias if you haven't gotten to know that student first. If you have a relationship with a student and you've you've developed some kind of rapport, you know kind of little things, you'll, you'll know little things. And if you really want to know more about the student, maybe what you want to be safe about, it, go to the emotional support teacher we have either made contact with that student and we have already we know that stuff I'm not shocked by any of the stuff that I see in these reports uh, like there's nothing in there that that really takes me aback or shocks me when it comes to to students so if I were to read a reevaluation report I'm not going to make an assumption about a kid um, as as quickly as maybe someone else would and I do like to meet my kids before I read that stuff so if you're if if we all get the same student at the same time Come to me, come to Anta, come to any of your emotional support um, caseworkers, case managers. If they haven't touched base with that student yet, let them do that and then they can get back to you. But stick to the specially designed instruction, accommodations and things that you're, you're told to do in the meantime and develop your own relationship with the student in the meantime as well. Heather, those are amazing final words and advice for our teachers that are listening. Anta, do you have any other words of advice as we wrap things up? Um, I guess, and Heather and I were speaking about this a little bit. I think sometimes in our world, because we see we see so many kids who probably don't have an ES disability and maybe they have a lot of absences, um, maybe they're not doing their work. And I know as teachers, we get really frustrated because we spend so much time on them. Um, and then you have you know the ES population and we're seeing that as well. And I think sometimes 
as teachers and even as ES teachers, sometimes I get frustrated, like, oh, I just do it. But I think we really have to know that this is a, like a true and severe diagnosis. Like a psychologist doesn't really just easily say, oh, here's your label, you know? And it takes a long time before these students even get to the point of a psychologist. There's already been like a lot of documentation, like a school district doesn't just say, oh, yeah, let's do it. So, so these are real and true things. And I think too, because, and I think with the regular teachers too, they're, we're not seeing the behaviors like it was seen in a brick and mortar, but they're still there. You know, so I think it's really hard for us to wrap our brain around how severe this is. Right. We don't know if a medication could be right. a kid not get their work done. If like they're they're hearing voices, if something else is going on during that time, that that's why they're not completing their work in school. Um, you know, so that there are a lot of reasons um, and they're not just lazy. And I think sometimes it's easy to assume that when you're like, all you had to do was this, you know. Right. And I think another thing too is like, it's hard to remember that we're like this whole statewide school and depending on where we're from, like I know my home base area, like I don't see stuff like this. Like this, my, you know, I have three kids, my school district, like, I mean, I'm not saying there isn't kids like that, like who have these severe emotional needs, but I'm sure it's very small. So until I started like doing this at Agora and taking on this emotional support, I couldn't believe how many cases were out there that this really, really does happen that, you know, and um, so I think that's hard for certain people to see because in their community and maybe if they have kids in districts, they're like, oh, really, this kid just needs to get up and get to school. Like I, you know, mm -hmm. I'd beat his butt if he was my kid, but it's a big world and it's a big state and it's not always happening right in your backyard, but that isn't where we're at. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, with that, uh, thank you very much for joining us. And that's it for episode five of the Cyber PD podcast. I want to give a special thanks to our guests and uh, Brockner and Heather Silberman. And also thank you, our loyal listeners. You can now subscribe to the show for free on CastBox for Apple or Android. And we would love to hear from you. Leave your comments or feedback in the comment section on our blog. You can also feel free to suggest ideas for future episodes there. And be sure to listen to for future episodes of the CyberPD podcast. Until then, keep learning. Thanks for listening to the CyberPD podcast. Tune in next time for more cyber pedagogy.